0: Welcome to Big Questions. This is Cal Busman. You always hear me thank Tim Ferriss at the end of every episode of Big Questions, and you always will. But today, I'm going to thank Tim from the very beginning. Starting this podcast is one of the best things I've ever done, and it never would have happened if not for Tim. I appeared on the Tim Ferriss Show as a guest in the beginning of 2016. We talked for more than three hours and there was such a tremendous response from Tim's fans that Tim invited me back on his podcast a few months later. Over and over, he said, Cal, you gotta start your own podcast. I was hesitant. I just couldn't see myself handling all the technological juju that went with it. But Tim just wouldn't let up. Finally, he said, look, You have breakfast with Larry King every day. Ask Larry if you can interview him. Then just send the audio to me, and I'll put it up on my podcast. Well, asking Larry for an interview wasn't hard. Kevin, the manager, located an audio engineer to record it. Larry and I sat down in his living room, and the conversation was even more relaxed than the What I've Learned interviews I've been doing over the years for Esquire magazine. We sent the recording to Tim, he put the conversation up on his podcast, and it got a great response. But it did more than that. It allowed me to hear it. And as soon as I heard it, I knew I could create my own podcast. Tim didn't stop there. Oh, no. He showed me the equipment I needed to do the podcast on my own and then even set up a solid foundation to get it off the ground. He even created an audience for big questions right off the bat by coming on as my first guest. And in doing so, Tim changed my life, just as he's changed so many other lives since he wrote the four-hour workweek. But here's the thing. It's hard to pay Tim back. Once, we were at a restaurant, just the two of us, and I was expecting to treat him. Toward the end of dessert, he excused himself. When the waiter came by, I asked for the check, but the waiter shook his head and smiled. Tim had slipped away from the table to take care of it. So I've learned the best way to pay Tim Ferriss back is to pay it forward And that's what I'm going to do right now. Now, I've always liked to help people. In fact, I never would have met Tim Ferriss if I hadn't helped a young guy who just dropped out of USC, Alex Benayan. Alex was starting out on a journey to write a book about the meaning of success. On the day I met Alex, I'd never heard of Tim Ferriss. When I asked Alex who his heroes were, he mentioned Tim. And I actually started to laugh. Tim Ferriss, the way I see it, I said, a hero has to be known by everyone. How can Tim Ferriss be a hero when I never heard of him? I came to learn that my definition of the word hero needed to be changed. It turned out that Alex had interviewed Tim at the start of his book project, and I ultimately spent five years mentoring Alex through the writing of that book, It's called The Third Door, and I'm happy to tell you that The Third Door celebrates its anniversary this month as a national bestseller. So, in a sense, I also have Alex to thank, as well as Tim, for this podcast. It's in that spirit that I'm going to pay it forward to two guys who just dropped out of college. Harvard, actually. Well... Dropout is a strong term, maybe a little harsh. They can always go back. But they came up with an idea for a startup business, and they pushed their classes aside for the moment to get it going. All great business ideas solve problems, and so does theirs. Have you ever listened to a podcast and heard a powerful phrase that you don't want to forget? Or maybe a story that you want to remember exactly the way you heard it? Or an idea that you want to send to a friend. But there's just no way to do it. Well, there is now. Sam Rukeyser and David Liu have come up with the technology to do just that. And it's free. Their company is called AIR. That's A-I-R-R. And they call the snippets you can pull off podcasts, air quotes, Their technology is going to be made available to Big Questions listeners on this episode because in a few moments, you're going to meet Sam and Dave. This started with a cold email I got from Sam a few days before I was headed to Boston last month. I was intrigued and made time to meet Sam and his pal at a breakfast joint. We immediately hit it off and I instantly knew that I wanted to help them. Back in the 60s, there was a recording group called Sam and Dave and they did one of my favorite songs. Hold on, I'm coming. Hold on, I'm coming. Well, you get the idea. Well, I'm coming to help Sam and Dave get their idea off the ground just the way Tim stepped up to help me start this podcast. And I picked up the check at breakfast, just like Tim did at dinner. For those of you who are curious about Sam and Dave's idea, you can go to airairr.io slash cal right now to check it out. But you might want to listen to Sam and Dave first, and afterward, I'll explain how I'd like to help them take their idea forward because it also gives me a chance to use it as a centerpiece to bring together all of you listening to big questions. You see the way the arc of this story has circled? At the start, I was hesitant to create a podcast because I was scared of technology. And now, because I started the podcast, I'm involved in a tech startup. Me, old school Cal out at the cutting edge of technology. I'm telling you, starting a podcast will change your life. I'm proof, and the evidence mounts week by week. A podcast forces you to reach out to people that you might never have met. And those people, like my pals Matt and Jason at my sponsor, Sportique, can connect you to others, like David Griffin, the new executive vice president of basketball operations for the New Orleans Pelicans. In the future, you're going to hear the story of how, years ago, David got through chemotherapy in his Sportique sweatpants. And now he'll be in on drafting Zion Williamson with the number one pick in the NBA draft. David's story is inspiring me to root for the Pelicans, and I have a feeling it's going to inspire you to root for the Pelicans and David too. Never would have got to know Griff if not for this podcast. Maybe at the end of this podcast, you're going to use the offer code CAL to get a 20% discount at WeWork. And who knows, maybe a chance meeting at WeWork will change your life. If that scenario unfolds, it'll be because of how this podcast took me to WeWork, and that can be traced back to Tim Ferriss. My point is, you never know where a podcast can take you. Maybe you'll sign up for my storytelling workshop in Munich, Germany on July 5th and 6th by going to Cochria.com. At C-O-K-R-E-A dot simply because you heard those words. And maybe the stories that you create in that workshop will be a booster rocket for your company. I can go on and on. So it would make me happy if the tech startup at the center of this podcast will push you to start a podcast of your own. All of the good things that may happen because of it will be traced back to my meetings with Alex Benayan and Tim Ferriss. So thanks, Alex. And thanks, Tim. And Tim, you are my hero. That said, let's get straight to Sam and Dave and those air quotes. All right. Today's a big day. Sounds like I'm going to be officially a member of a startup. That's right, Cal. And I got Sam and Dave on my left and right. Couple of guys who were in Harvard and have dropped out to get their business idea off the ground. I heard it. I became very enamored very quickly. And we're going to explain all about it over the next hour. But first, let me introduce you to Sam and Dave, two guys who entered Harvard a few years ago.
1: That's right. Yeah, this would have been uh, junior year we just wrapped up.
0: Now, most everybody is trying to get into Harvard. You guys got in and then came out. To create a business. How did that happen?
2: Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, we, Sam and I met our freshman year randomly through the Harvard Rooming process. Um, and I think from the first moment we knew that we wanted to start something together and we worked on different projects for a while and ultimately started what we're working on now. So, Dave, where are you from? So I'm from Houston, Texas. So you're from
0: Houston, Sam. Where are you from? Uh, Westchester, New York. So town called Rye. Uh, all right. And you come Harvard puts you together. Is that it? Yeah,
1: that's how it works. So we had a group of uh, six people in our room freshman year, and uh, the dean for our part of the freshman class just randomly assigns people into a room. And Dave and I suspect that the reason why we, we might have been placed together is because we both wrote that we wanted to start a company in college on our rooming application. So perhaps they saw that and decided to link us.
0: Oh, so they have this application that says, what do you like? What don't you like? Exactly. Yeah. And then they can match people up based on likes and dislikes. Yeah. Yeah. One guy likes to be really clean. One guy is.
1: Not so That's much. What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One guy goes to bed super early, the other pulls all-nighters. Oh, wow, even, so, to, so even yeah, the, really, the timing of the day.
2: Even like the type of music you'd like to listen to. So. <laughs> I
1: have to rank opera,
2: jazz,
1: <laughs> Broadway.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. So they do a pretty good job, I think, of really trying to get to know people.
0: Well, you see, they got some smart people there. I suppose they do. And <laughs> I guess you gotta be somewhat intelligent to get in. When you, when you got in, was there a big celebration?
2: Yeah, I think for me, I remember being in, um, I think a room in my school um, after sports practice with one of my favorite teachers, and um, clicked the link, saw the email, um, and yeah, it was a, it was a great moment.
1: Yeah, I was. I happened to be alone at home at the time, um, and I opened it up and uh, saw the news and immediately called my parents, and they dropped what they were doing and, and rushed home to celebrate. I think we popped some champagne, so it was a good time. Yeah, very exciting.
0: And so what was the reaction when you said, hey, we're leaving?
1: <laughs> well, I, I think people have this idea of uh, you know, the, the, the Harvard dropout in their head. Uh, maybe two people come to mind. Either the guy who started that social network that we all know about, um, or maybe Bill Gates. So First uh, being
0: Mark Zuckerberg. Yes, exactly.
1: Uh, I wish, my mom especially, I wish that's what she had in mind when I told her the news that we were going to leave school for a bit. Um, Instead, I think the image that... Uh, she rushed to was the idea of the the deadbeat who, you know, passes up on a great opportunity to graduate from this very special place and instead, you know, is going off to, I don't know, join a circus or something along those lines. So she was, she was skeptical at first. Um, my dad, less so, I think he knew that this was inevitable. Uh, I'd always been more entrepreneurial in nature. And I think he, uh, like I knew that I'd, I'd probably never go down a more traditional, conventional path. So this wasn't a surprise for him. And I think my mom, she wasn't surprised, but she was a little bit more apprehensive. Uh, and She's slowly come around to, I think, be a little bit more accepting of it.
2: Dave, what happened with you? A little bit different. Um, I think my parents, maybe just from my childhood, have always been kind of, I don't know, entrepreneurial, and um, they kind of knew I was always into inventing new things. I think they, they weren't really surprised. And yeah, I think, I just was really lucky that both of them were pretty supportive.
0: So how does this idea to start a new company come up? Is this something that when you're at Harvard, everybody is doing? Because, you know, we see the movies, we know about Zuck. Is it really like that at Harvard?
1: Yeah, I think we were both expecting to maybe find more people that were entrepreneurial. Um, We did actually take part in this phenomenal class. Um, It's this undergraduate only, almost a a startup research and design class they call it. So we went through it as students for two semesters and then we actually uh, helped teach it as teaching fellows for two semesters as well. And the class is really just a a gathering of entrepreneurial students and we all workshop each other's ideas, help each other in any way possible. So I think we found our entrepreneurial home there. Um, But outside of that small group of maybe 25 or 30 students, uh, not as many people are as interested in the entrepreneurial route.
0: Really? They want to go down straight tracks? Yeah, I think, I think. Well, know, that makes that makes sense, right? Yeah. Because you're always here. You go to Harvard Law School, you graduate, and everybody's coming in to find the best plums yeah. and take them into their company.
1: Definitely, I, I think um, there are so many phenomenal opportunities when you're a student at a you know so-called elite school. Um, And you're just flooded with these opportunities for great internships, for great uh, positions after school, research opportunities, grad school perhaps. Uh, And these are all fairly sure bets um, with great perks, you know, nice salary, very interesting position. So I think uh, most people gravitate towards that as opposed to, you know, going off and uh, sort of charting their own course, if that makes sense.
0: Okay. You got to
1: be a little crazy to do
0: it. You got to be a little crazy to leave those tracks. Good. I'm in the right company. (laughs) (laughs) So how is it that you come up with this idea to start this new business that suddenly puts me at the table with you? Because I am the last guy that somebody at Harvard would have thought about calling up to get a new business off the Uh, ground. Come
1: on, Kyle. You're one of the first, actually. So. Dave and I have, uh, I'll say that this really started out of um, a frustration that we encountered. We're both huge podcast fans, uh, listened to lots of podcasts, would talk about them with one another, share them with each other, try and share them with other people. And there are two things that really stuck out to us as missing from the podcasting experience. Uh, so one was if you're hearing something that really stands out, that really resonates with you, there wasn't a good way to save that moment, sort of capture that moment of the podcast. And the second was, Cal, if I hear something great and I want to share it with you, the best I can do is you know, either send you a, a full episode or maybe say, hey, scroll to you know, minute thirty five and start listening from there. But if you're on the receiving end of that, I don't know about you, but when somebody texts me an hour and a half long podcast and says, Sam, you got to listen to it, even though I might trust and respect that person. And, and I know their recommendation is probably a good one. I don't have an hour and a half of time to just drop what I'm doing and sit down and work with them and listen to that. So I think for us, AIR started off uh, out of a desire to save and share these moments just between ourselves. We built this for ourselves and then started talking to some other people, um, both in in communities, other podcast fans that we knew, a few podcasters that we actually got to know through, uh, through our time at school. And we quickly realized that there was uh, interest in this outside of just the three of us. And here we are now, so.
0: Who was the third?
1: Uh, the third is so the team is uh, me, Sam, Dave, uh, Mike, our other co-founder and Sebastian, our phenomenal engineer, so.
0: Okay, so your phenomenal engineer is your age saying? Sebastian's, uh,
1: Sebastian's a bit older and then Mike is uh, significantly older. Um, so we, you know, we're all united by our, our love of podcasting and uh, really hoping to push the medium forward. So,
0: so you all have this feeling that we want to be able to, when we identify a nugget of gold in a podcast, we want to capture it and share it. Exactly. And what complications did that raise in creating the technology to do so? Because Dave, you're the techno guy. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so I think um, definitely there were some difficulties in being able to like figure out a a fast and efficient way to isolate these moments. Um, And then obviously kind of making them easily shareable all around the web. Um, And it was really important for us that, you know, people could listen to all their favorite podcasts, you know, with air. Um, But then also when they share them, anyone can access these best moments and hear them. So
0: anybody can go to a, a place where all the gold is going to be? Exactly. It's so, like you're gonna be creating a library of gold.
1: That's that's a good way of putting it. Um, it's funny, Mike, our co-founder who I just mentioned, describes podcasts as an IV to the brain of just all this great knowledge, information, and wisdom. And if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. For the first time, you can really just be a fly on the wall during a conversation between two or more great people. And uh, it's, it's this amazing, very intimate experience when you're listening to audio. And our goal is to just identify as many of these nuggets as possible and help spread them everywhere so more people can hear them.
0: So you both have this same frustration. You come together, you bring in two other guys, and what happens next? Do you look around and say, you know what, this is going to take all of our time. So we're going to have to just push school aside for a while and jump into this. Like when I say all your time, like what's the most hours in a day you've listened to podcasts.
1: Oh man. Well, last night as we'll uh <laughs> talk about shortly, All right? We um, I kind of gave him a, some
0: homework last oh, yeah. night we'll getting back to school.
1: <laughs> we'll talk about that soon, but that was a that was a listening marathon. What's funny though is even in the average day if I'm listening to several podcasts for, you know, work, um I'll still listen to a podcast before bed. There's so much diversity of content out there and each each podcast host brings something new, um, that I never really get bored. So I'm not sick of podcasts yet. Check in with me in a year and maybe that'll have changed.
0: Well, like what's the most podcast you've listened to a day in, in terms of hours in a day,
1: uh, 10 to 12 or, or maybe more. Um, yeah. 10 to 12 podcasts or 10 or to probably 12 of- hours worth of content, I would say.
2: Oh, yeah. I got a long airplane flight. You can be like 10 hours easily yeah. on podcasts. Yeah.
0: Do you see podcasting as like the new magazines? Hmm. That's
1: interesting. Well, you know magazines. Yeah. I, so I, I know I, magazines.
0: See, so, you know, I, I can remember a specific moment in time. And this is, be, I think it, it was before I started this podcast. I was sitting at a table with four people. They were out of college by eight or 10 years. And... The conversation around the table was focused on, oh, did you hear this podcast? Or, oh, did, what about that one? And I thought, wow, when I was their age, the conversation was, did you read this hmm. yeah. in, the, in the New Yorker or in the Atlantic or Esquire? Yeah. And it seemed to me that the podcasting had basically replaced the question. Things shifted. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. That's interesting. I, I think that some of the most interesting people and ideas um, are being discussed right now in, in podcast episodes, for sure. Um, I feel like that's where I go to learn something new or just, you know, find inspiration rather than, than a magazine.
1: Yeah. Or rather than, you know, not to sound like a <laughs> total contrarian yeah. here, but if you look at a lot of the mainstream media, uh, it's it's so much crossfire, so many shouting matches and podcasts are almost like a, a refuge from that all. Um, Not to say you don't get some really interesting and heated debates where people are having tough conversations, Um, but I'd say by and large, there's almost like this good faith aspect to sitting across the table for some, from someone having a long form conversation uh, and really talking, talking with them and not, you know, talking at them as much. Uh, So I think podcasts are unique in that regard. And um, yeah, it's one of the reasons why I love them. You, you really get these authentic long form conversations.
0: So with this burgeoning medium, I think there's like half a million new podcasts Mm. that, that have come up. It really does make sense for there to be a place that can capture all the golden moments in these podcasts and put it in sort of a library. Yeah. And also it's great for me, because this allows me to get my podcast out to as many different ears. Sure, sure.
1: And I think it's, we offer a slightly different experience. Sometimes if you're listening to a more narrative style podcast like Serial, you want to stay there for the entirety of it and see how the story develops and the arc of that. Um, But if you're more interested in informational podcasts or conversational audio, like remember Kyle was saying, we've listened to 10 to 12 hours of podcasts. Um, back to back, that doesn't even scratch the surface. If I were to lock myself in a room and do that, you know, for for the next year, I'd barely scratch the surface of all the incredible moments and podcasts out there. So our hope is that we can spread these moments everywhere and also give people an opportunity to continue listening. So when they hear something they really like, um, right in that experience, they can continue listening to the rest of the episode.
0: I don't know if we've made it clear, but the whole idea here is that you're going to be enabling everybody with this technology to be capturing the golden moments that they hear and passing them around.
1: Exactly. So we sort of crowdsource these moments. And then that's one side of it. And then the other side of it is this discovery component. So you know, say uh, you're sitting, you're Ubering over here, or lifting over here, and you had 10 minutes in the car before you got to this great WeWork where we're sitting and talking now. Um, Look at this. He's yeah. already got the I'm, I'm sponsor, doing the, I'm, man. I'm doing the ad reads for you. Um, <laughs> so if you were to pull out your phone and maybe pop in your AirPods, which uh, just as an aside- I got them. I, yeah, got, I got
0: some AirPods Those now. are
1: game changers. Uh, I think people are consuming right. a lot more podcasts as a result. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh, man. You <laughs> see, that was my last step on the ladder before I met you guys. Getting the AirPods. There you go. All right, so now you're a convert.
1: But say you've got 10 minutes in the car ride over, imagine being able to pull out your phone, open up air, and cue up the top 10 moments in maybe sports or news or in great interviews and just hear those back-to-back, the crowdsourced best moments that other listeners have pulled out from these episodes. And then maybe you hear a great air quote that really stands out to you, and now you want to go ahead and uh, maybe in the hour-and-a-half ride to, to the airport afterwards, listen to the full episode. So. It's really that balance between quickly listening to those best moments. And then also the long form when you want to.
0: What I love about this is it's a bullseye into the heart of curiosity because you don't know what you're going to get. And then it's sort of like popping a vitamin. It's not like you're asking for so much time. This could be a minute, right? Or less. Yeah. Yeah. And so I get to pop the vitamin and if that makes me curious, then i can go with it or i can go down a list and see other pieces of gold that i might want to look into so i really get what you guys are trying to do uh, but what happened is we met yesterday we had a great breakfast and then we decided well i kind of decided it would be great (laughs) to give you guys some homework just to see how this would play out. And so I said, go, go ahead, listen to my podcast. We pick, pick up about 10 or 12 and go through it and find the gold that, that you feel is the gold, because that's the other thing. Maybe I would listen and I would hear different gold. So I was very curious to the gold that you all found. And so. The idea was for you to listen and then capture it. And what we're gonna do now is we're going to see what you've captured.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know how we'll do as podcast critics um, or gold miners, but it's easy with your stuff. There's a lot of really, really great episodes that we went through last night. So excited to share some of these great moments.
0: Okay, so the first, like it's gotta start for me with Tim Ferriss because I wouldn't be speaking these words into a microphone if it wasn't for Tim. He had me on his podcast two times in the beginning of 2016. And it got a huge response. And he was constantly telling me, Cal, you got to start your own podcast. You got to start your own podcast. But I was such a technophobe that I couldn't imagine hooking up all the wires and making sure that my audio levels were right on this H6 Zoom recorder in front of me. Now I do it in my sleep.
1: Podcast wizard. Yeah, you can do it with (laughs) your eyes closed.
0: Podcast, who would have ever thunk it that I'd be called a podcast (laughs) wizard. Well, all the wires are hooked up. I know that we're recording and, my feeling is Tim, like with many people, he's directed them to new places in life. He's heroic in that respect. And so Tim's gotta come first. So I'm gonna ask you to bring on the gold. All right. I'm Tim Ferriss. Now I had him on two episodes. There was an episode about what makes Tim Tim and then there was another episode about how to make money. I was asking Tim, how you make money. Which one did you choose?
1: So we went with, um, I feel like this is an episode of House Hunters International. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we went with house number two. Um, no, we, we picked the, uh, the how to make moolah. So uh, All right. this is a great episode. Filled with more practical advice, I would say, as opposed to the first one, which was a little bit more narrative in nature. Uh, But I picked this air quote, Cal, because I know you're branching out and you've just recently started your business. Correct. So this air quote is about branching out outside of your area of expertise, outside of your superpower, as Tim calls it.
3: And the angel investor, once that had some traction and I felt I had enough credibility to use that label, I began using it at the beginning of, say, bios and so on so that I could keep the four-hour work week, uh, certainly, but to place it slightly in the background so that I became less and less the four-hour work week guy and more and more Tim Ferriss who does these other three or four things that are of interest to us. Growth. Yeah. Yeah. And also recognizing that the once you have really, really, really firmly established yourself in one area, you can always go back to that. You don't have to cling to it like a life raft. That's always going to be there. It's in your back pocket. So then if you stray and try something new, as far as I'm concerned, it's all upside. There might be some downside and embarrassment, perhaps, if it doesn't work out. But from a survival standpoint, from a financial standpoint, you have your superpower And your world, your niche in your back pocket, you can always go back to it. But if you never stray from that, then the mental monster of deviating becomes scarier and scarier and scarier and scarier until you convince yourself after years of this that you can't try something
0: else. Wow. I'm so glad to hear that now again. (laughs) Uh, You know what? it's so clear to me. I could almost see him sitting there telling me, and yet I forgot it until this moment.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Tim, especially with his great podcast, there's so much good content, so many great moments. So uh, yeah, to have a notebook saved just on your phone of of all those moments that you can sort of whip one out whenever you need to hear it is, is very powerful.
0: I'm loving this more every minute. Okay, right after Tim, I, I had Kobe Bryant on. And I know Dave is a huge NBA fan, so you probably got the task of listening to the Kobe episode.
2: Exactly. I'm a huge NBA fan. And it was fascinating listening to the episode uh, because I feel like I knew Kobe from watching him as this sort of fearless Black Mamba who would destroy anyone on the court. So the air court I picked um, was one where he's talking more about his you know, curious side and how kind of his childhood developed that.
0: One of your favorite books was Curious George. It's a children's book. Yeah, yeah, Children's
4: book. Yeah. I always thought it was fascinating. I mean, you know, curiosity, I think, is the most important quality to have. You know, with curiosity, you figure things out. You're you're always um, looking for ways to get better or looking for reasons as to why certain things work, you know, things that are of interest to you. Um, So it was never good enough for me to simply watch a game on television and say, okay, um, I see what's going on. That's fine. That's awesome. It's entertaining. That wasn't good enough for me. I wanted to know why it worked. And that curiosity leads you to knowledge.
0: Do you think that you have the same curiosity that you had when you were a child? I think so yeah <laughs> that's yeah, really amazing so. char- that's an amazing characteristic <laughs> yeah because well. it is a curiosity is one of those things where as you get older where as a lot of people get older it starts to I wouldn't even say it's a road it erodes it's almost like our life experiences throw shovels of dirt on it yeah and it's like it It can bury you, like at a funeral, if you're not sweeping the dirt away. Yeah, that really gets at the heart of what drives him. And I I can recall going into my first meeting with him, like wondering what we had in common, because I'm not competitive. And he, he seemed like one of the most competitive people on the planet. And yet, I walked out of that meeting thinking, we have a lot in common. And I think you just caught it on that air quote. And
2: really hearing about his curiosity makes you understand more his sort of second phase of his career as he's you know going more into storytelling, um,
0: detail, things like that. It's really amazing. And it shaped, it, as the podcast went on, he was telling me how it shaped his off-seasons, because he would become curious as to what he needed to develop. And then he would go into his off-season with a plan to add another piece to his game. And very different from somebody who would just get done with the season and rest. From the moment the season ended, he was already curious about what he could accomplish before the next season started. It was a really different way of seeing him. And to get to the point of podcasts, I don't know that that kind of conversation is being had anywhere else.
2: Exactly. I feel like you can't really see that side of Kobe just on the court.
0: Okay, let's go to my friend Nellie Golan, a first Hispanic woman to become president of an American television company, Telemundo.
1: This was a, a really interesting episode. And the moment that I'm about to play, it's important to contextualize it because Nellie sounds a little hysterical. She's imitating herself when she was walking into the um, the office of her boss. And this was just after he had sold a small television station in in Newark, New Jersey. So she was let go and she was pleading for her job
0: back. So, yeah, we got to set it up that this was her baby. She basically had met a very wealthy guy while she was working at, like a big media company who asked her to come over and start a company in Newark. Spanish speaking television and she built this thing up. Yeah, from the ground. From the ground and then gets it to a great point and then finds out. Yeah, and here it is. How could you
5: do this to me? This is my baby. You didn't even tell me I would have bought it myself. And he's like, young lady, those are my chips. If you think you're so good, go get your own chips. Whoa. And I'm like, what an, asshole and i went home and Best you know. And by the way this man just passed away a year ago and you know and i still say the greatest mentor of my life the greatest mentor of my life because i went home i thought he was an asshole i cried it out and then i thought maybe he's right a couple days later when i had time to calm down i thought maybe he's right maybe i'm thinking too small He didn't talk down to me like I was a little minority. He could have just said, oh, don't worry. You will, you know, whatever. He didn't. I mean, a lot of people, just to be politically correct, might have said, oh, you know, it's going to be fine. Do you want a job? you want me to find you another job? What do you want me to? No. He said, go get your own chips. And then I realized, well, maybe he thinks I can get my own chips. Maybe I can get my own chips. And. I, I I still think that was the greatest moment of my life. Because my parents, in their less, less than-ness, being immigrants, couldn't show me a bigger vision for my life.
0: Oh, man, that's great. Yeah. That is the power of an air quote right there. <laughs> right there. I would have to keep listening after I heard that. That's beautiful. All right. You know, who we got next is Simon Sinek, and that's a recent one. We got a lot of traffic. Uh, Simon has a huge number of fans and we talked about the infinite game, his upcoming book. Simon was a
2: really incredible episode. And the air quote I picked for that, um, is when Simon discusses businesses Having colleagues versus co-workers. Actually, I was, I'll go display here. In business, we have colleagues and co-workers. And in the military,
6: they have brothers and sisters. You know, they have a different relationship with the people they work with. And the level of trust, you know, in the military, you know, I'm fond of saying that in the military, they give medals to people who are willing to sacrifice themselves so that someone else may gain. In business we give bonuses to people who are willing to sacrifice others so that we may gain. (laughs) And and I would meet these people and I would see that they would risk their lives. They would sacrifice their lives to save the life of someone they don't even like. Where in business, we don't even want to give up credit for something, let alone our lives. And I just started, I wanted to spend more time with them. And I started asking myself the question, why don't we have that in business? Like, why don't we have that kind of trust in business? Why can't we have brothers and sisters in business? And I thought it was the people. I just thought they were better people, and this breed of better people were attracted to the military, you know, because that's what better people do—they serve. No, no, it's the same. And so I went to find out because I'm I'm a curious I'm a curious little kid who keeps asking why does that happen. I called in a, uh, I called in some favors, and I got the opportunity to go and visit some training bases and watch how they train, because I wanted to see what they do with all these better people. And the more I started to learn, the more I realized my theory was completely wrong. They're not better people. It's the environment.
0: Wow. That's really proof of the power of an air quote right there. You can just go in, and then, um, how long was that? Yeah, it was a little bit over a minute. A minute later, you're thinking about your ordinary life in a different way or somebody else's ordinary life in a different way. Just a minute.
2: Exactly. Yeah. It really made me think about the kind of a great relationship that Sam and I have, and I, uh, we have with Mike and Sebastian, the team where, um, I think it really just goes beyond what we're working on. You know, we genuinely really like working so you,
0: with each other. Do you have the brothers and sisters mentality? Oh,
2: yeah.
1: I think Dave and I, we started as best friends and, and became co-founders after that. Um, so everything we approach in business, we approach first and foremost as as friends, uh, and and all the compassion and trust that goes along with that, which I think um, helps maintain our our good relationship.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you can really see just from those first four how in four minutes or so you you could have gotten somebody to be thinking deeply about a completely different area of life so that if well, we have 10, 11, 12 of these we'll go through uh, before the podcast is over, if, if you add that up in, in, in 10 minutes of reflective time, your mind can go to some really deep places.
1: Yeah, I, I think the value of time spent listening to air quotes is pretty exponential. Uh, we experience this. If we're scrolling around and seeing the air quotes that other people have shared, you can go ahead and play those. And sometimes our jaws just drop at how amazing these these snippets that people are pulling out from podcasts are. All
0: right, let's listen next. We got Sasha Cohn, the Olympic figure skater. She was a silver medal winner.
2: Yeah, and this podcast is really an incredible story of kind of Coming back, especially she talks about uh, her experience in the 2006 Olympics. And this is Sasha talking about responding to uh, falling uh, during her long program. Um, So here's the air quote
0: What impressed me the most about you before I met you was what happened after that. Something, it was like this steel came up inside of you, and all of a sudden, you're on fire. Like, you're not missing anything. And I'm wondering what it was that allowed you to just push back everything that had happened and then be perfect.
7: I think it's that resilience and that grit. It's that same attitude I had in the short program, walking down the pirate's plank, but telling myself that I'm on top of the world and I'm going to do this. And I think it's that same attitude that I carried into my long program and ice is slippery and people fall, but there was never a moment that I was going to give up. It was, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make it happen. And so every, everything that I went into, that's the attitude I had. And I think some people will tend to unravel because you just start processing everything, your dreams falling apart. How did you miss this? And it's, it's just too much. And, and I didn't, I kept fighting and I'm I'm a person that's a fighter to the end, no matter what I am doing. And I think that's, that's what came up and saved me, is this, I'm, I'm. it's not over till it's over. Even if I have to struggle through everything and the takeoffs or stuff, like, I am going to fight, I'm going to fight, I'm going to fight.
0: When I, when I think of that, I think of what her life would have been like had she not fought through this. She's competing for the gold medal and early in the big program, She falls, and so you know that if your competitors don't fall, they're going to beat you. And like at that moment, everything could have caved in. But for the rest of her life, she'll know that she fought through it and brought out the best in herself. And it, it makes me feel great just hearing that. And I imagine for anyone going through a difficult time, that's gonna be a great salve for them.
1: Well, that's a a tough act to follow. I'm gonna bring it way back down to earth. (laughs) Um, So I've got some more practical advice for Cal here that I dug up from the great James Altucher episode.
0: Oh man, this may go into the stratosphere (laughs) with James. Here we are. He's always lifting me to someplace new. Okay, let's see what you got. And this is about uh, making the customer the hero of the story, which
1: in James's opinion, most people failed to do.
8: I know the, the, what you're saying. I know the arc of the hero. You descri- in, the first time you described what you needed to do, you, you used your own technique. You said <laughs> You said, "James, the companies don't know how to tell their story. They're dying to tell their story correctly. They don't know how. I, and then I can show them how. You put the customer as the hero then. And then the second time... You didn't do that. You said, hey, everybody, I need to help a hundred people tell their story better. You didn't put the customer first the second time you described your business idea. So
0: I see what so, you're so, saying. I, yeah, yeah, I got it. Be consistent, be consistent. But, but, but
8: Well, you got it to use your own technique on yourself. And it's not like they should hire you because you need them to hire you. They should hire you because they're, because they're the hero. And, and as the hero, they're saving fucking lives. And they're not telling that story. And that's how you make them the hero of your story.
0: Oh, that's good. That's good. And that, that you know, here's a moment where I get to use this podcast as a way to like, not only educate everybody out there, but it's therapy for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, James saying, look at yourself, pal, and really helpful. God bless that man. I love him. Oh, yeah. All right. We're going to look at. We oh, got, man, we got Larry King next. Oh, wow. All right. Let's see what you got
2: from Larry. It's an absolutely legendary episode where he goes into the uh, Frank Sinatra story, um, which you know makes it a must-listen uh, in, its, in its own right. But the air quote I chose was when Larry talks about how the easiest thing uh, he does is just be on air.
9: The easiest thing I do is being on the air. Easy, no problem at all. None. Because I control it. It's an escape and it's wonderful to meet people they pay you to ask questions of interesting people and get paid for it. And there's nothing easier. I mean, living life every day where you don't control the day, where other things can happen to you. I'm not, I don't have patience if, if the plane is late or traffic jams. But when I sit in the studio and that light goes on, man, it's a natural high. Now, I don't th- I'm talking to you now, so I think about it. I don't even think about it. I just go in. Most of the times, driving to work, I don't know who the guest is. Does that make it like it was when Bobby Darren walks in the yeah, door? Yeah, it makes it like what? Well, now Now I have producers, and they do background. They give me cards, and they tell me about the guest. But they don't give me questions. They just tell me a little about the guest. And then I get briefed. And then I don't know where it's going. I never know what the que- first, as I didn't know it's not to why you here. I don't know what the first question is going to be. As as I'm sitting with the guest and announce the guest's name, I don't know what the first question is going to be.
0: (laughs) It's Larry. That's the essence of Larry. Completely spontaneous and in the moment. And also, between the lines, you understand what a good listener he is because he doesn't have a list of questions in front of him. He's waiting to hear the response in order to come up with this next question. So you really got into his soul on that, that's a nice one. Okay, we're gonna go on to Amy Morin, who is a psychotherapist. Why don't you tell us a little about her?
1: Yeah, that's right. Well, Amy, um, therapist and uh, unfortunately was struck with a terrible tragedy in her own life. She lost her husband and was widowed at a very young age. And uh, the episode and her her book kind of covers um, a very interesting story where she writes uh, a letter to herself with 13 things that mentally tough people do. And this is just a reminder from all of her learnings uh, after years of therapy and years of school on how to cope with grief and how to be strong. And she publishes this online, not expecting anything to happen, and it goes absolutely viral. Um, So it's funny. You mentioned listening to James is is like therapy and talking with James is like therapy. Well, here's uh, some great wisdom from a real therapist. And this is an idea that I've uh, I've heard circulated before, but I think Amy puts it really nicely.
10: You know, I'm always big on asking people, who do you surround yourself with? Because it really tends to influence how we think, how we... Problem solve how we see the world. If you were surrounded by people who, you know, complained about red lights and traffic jams and everyday occurrences and thought these things were horrible, awful, and terrible, and that somebody was out to get them and the world was a terrible, dark place, then be much less likely to approach things as a challenge that you can overcome. But when you surround yourself with people who who do just that, something that maybe a lot of people would say is impossible or or that's too bad that that person has that problem, rather than saying, how do I help this person solve that problem? I think that makes a huge difference. So when you run into something and you already said you asked for help, that's big. Most people don't, right?
0: Okay. That's good. I asked for help. I have positive thoughts. Right. I asked for help.
10: Got a community of people that do amazing things. People that you talk to on a regular basis. Are who surrounded
0: are- by people who do amazing things. This, this is becoming to look a little more doable, isn't it? <laughs> Million Dollar May. I thought she was going to say it was crazy and she didn't. She looked into my eyes and told me, Cal, So many people have dreams. They want to write books and they never start. And so she said, you have a dream, go do it. And that was a great first step for me to be able to just dive into the water. And it's been amazing so far. I should have given myself more time, but. You know, Million Dollar May is a great book title. Oh, yeah. You know, Million Dollar November, it just kind of lands flat on the ears. That's that's right. So, uh, you know, Frank Blake, the chairman of the board of Delta Airlines, said, That's okay, Cal. That's okay. You said Million Dollar May, but you didn't specify what year. Right now, only Kevin, the manager, knows the official numbers. Close those deals, Kevin. Close those deals. All right, we got Yes Theory next. I thought that would be particularly appealing to you guys because they're about your age, three friends that push themselves outside of comfort zones in order to get the best out of each other. You guys have done something very similar. What'd you come up with?
2: Yeah, I think listening to that episode and hearing those guys' story really resonated with us. And the concept that I really liked was one they mentioned about throwing your bag over the fence. And that's the air quote that I chose.
11: We just decided that we're going to give it a try. I somehow found a a loophole where I was able to, with the help of my academic advisor at the university that I went to, uh, we were able to make the experiment of starting a YouTube channel be a full credit of of classes. Um, And my domain was cyber sociology and cyber law so it was very integrated like i didn't need to make up a story it was if anyone looks into it it made sense that why this is a very very valuable to my education and my the model of the school that i went to was based on experience so they were very welcome to it and and thomas just decided to tell his friend that he was going to start the company with that he's going to just hold on for a sec and he's going to continue doing generation why not at the time that's what we decided to call it and then matt Decided that he's gonna stop working at the bar, start spending all those savings on on us who were so broke and barely <laughs> afforded rent. Wow! So- and, and decided to tell his co-founder that that he's gonna have to just go full time on this. And uh, a friend of mine once told me, he calls this throwing your bag over the fence, which is like. If you're traveling and you want to get over somewhere, you just start by throwing your bag and now you have no other option but to make it to the other side. And that's kind of what we all did. We threw our bags over the fence and and we asked ourselves, how are we going to get over there? Because our bags are all on the other side.
0: <laughs> well, I can see how that would so appeal to you or anybody starting a business, taking a risk. And it might even appeal to people who are on the fence and not sure if they want to do it and realize, okay, if I'm going to do this, I got to throw the bag over the fence.
2: Exactly. The
0: bags are over the fence now. Yeah. And that's another great point about podcasts and air quotes, because in that minute, you may be able to compel somebody to just go do it. Maybe that's the second. They hear that quote and say, "I'm going to do this," and then go and throw their bag over the fence.
1: Hey, if if we can uh, be a part of helping people do cool stuff, then that's uh, that's that's a very good mission.
0: <laughs> okay, so we we move on to John Rampton, very recent podcast, uh, and John had a terrible accident when he was in college, that actually left him bedridden in a hospital for months, but it changed his life because it forced him to do something that he never would have probably done otherwise, which is spend hours and hours and hours a day over a computer looking into social media.
2: Exactly, and I think in the podcast, it's so fascinating how he kind of pinpoints that moment as when you know something he then turned into part of his story um, and something that became part of his own success. So the air quote that I chose from that episode is when John discusses how the most difficult moments are really the ones that, that shape you. Keep going. <laughs> A lot of people give up.
12: <laughs> A lot of people literally will. I, I, I see this so many in startup founders and companies that come and pitch me to invest in them or to help them out. And I'm like, no, I'm not interested in your idea. I think it's a great idea, but not not really a thing. And two months later, I see them doing something else or doing this. I feel so many people. Now, there is a time when to give up. There's always a time. And those who are listening, I've given up several times in my life. I've failed over and over and over. But that being said, there are certain times when you should push through and push onward. And some of those difficult times that you're going through will make you into the person who you're bound to be and destined to be. Much like when I got ran over, I hated that. That was the worst year of my life. I hated it. I. It, it's so much. It's so hard when you see like so much in your life there and that's taken away from you, and not have the ability to do this. But I pushed through it, and I found a different path. And this path wasn't what I was going on. It wasn't where I thought I'd be, but it was where I was supposed to be. And that pushed me through to where I am today. And where I am today is not where I want to be. And there might be a million different paths, but I know where I'm headed and I might not get there, but I'm trying.
0: Yeah. So basically, because he was in bed, because the doctor told him, you're not going to be able to move not even to get up out of the bed and go to the bathroom. He first off had to open this computer to find doctors who could help him put his leg back together and they, uh, injected like some lamb into him. 2%
2: lamb. He says
0: <laughs> he's 2% lamb, uh, and those lamb cells that were injected in him help put back together his leg. So he found the right doctors through the internet. And then he learned about social media and marketing on the internet as it was burgeoning and became a millionaire because of it. Yeah. So that's a story that will uplift anybody who's listening. Yeah, it's incredible. Okay, let's do one final one here. Oh, my man, Seth Godin. What a character. Yeah, this
1: was a, a great air quote and actually follows uh, the last two that Dave selected very nicely. Kind of talks about throwing the bag over the fence and um, in, in just being really committed to something and then also not stopping. And Seth is talking about why uh, the whole idea of writer's block is a total myth. And I think this applies to both writing, but also to any other sort of creative or productive work.
4: Percy Shelley, Mary Shelley's husband, invented writer's block. There wasn't writer's block until he wrote an essay about it a poem that said, basically, if the muse doesn't come to you, you're dry, don't even try. And it got adopted by poets, and then it got adopted by novelists. And this was right when Hemingway was becoming the great American novelist that it became a big deal to be a writer. Before that, writing was like plumbing. You just wrote. And so I don't buy the whole writer's block thing because, and I was friends with Isaac Asimov before he died. Isaac wrote 400 books, published them. Isaac, how did you do that? He said, it's pretty simple. I get up at 6.30 in the morning. I sit at my manual typewriter overlooking Lincoln Center, and I type. And I type until noon. And it doesn't matter if it's good typing or bad typing, but I got to type. Because if you just keep typing, sooner or later, your brain's going to say, stop with the bad stuff. I'll give you some good stuff. (laughs) Because it's not going to talk you out of not typing. And that's the idea, right? Is Because I have a blog every day, I have a blog every day. I don't blog because I have something to say. I have something to say because I blog. And that changes everything.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And, And I think it's really a way that I want to live, going to new ground every day and just keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it, which is why I'm sitting here with you guys. Because you pushed it. I didn't find you. You found me. So why don't you explain the process that went into that and where you want to take all these air quotes?
1: Yeah, well, we we kind of knocked down your door, Cal. Um, although you were very responsive, uh, you you answered my cold email, which I think cold emailing is an underrated way to reach really interesting people. I think if you find a lot of successful entrepreneurs, um, that's how they did it. So I've just copied their techniques on that end. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this is the start of hopefully a long friendship between all of us, and uh, between Aaron Big Questions and between all of us as individuals. And I think. The, the air quotes from your show, from the ones we just played to the episodes that are soon to come, uh, deserve to be spread as far out in, on the web as
0: possible. And so how will people be able to do that?
1: Yeah, so a few things. One is, I'd imagine in the show notes for this episode. Yeah, I gotta develop show notes. So That's world. the first thing I gotta so do there's here. There's some, some work that goes into that, but right. I'd imagine in the show notes. I will have
0: <laughs> show notes up for this episode. <laughs> You've you've basically pushed me into developing show notes. So thank you very much.
1: So we're we're pressuring Cal into being less of a technophobe when it comes to podcasting. And we're going to have some show notes with links to all of these moments that people can share uh and if they're interested in getting on our platform so we're we're um currently in a private beta but for all the big questions listeners out there we'd love to get them early access to the platform wow thank
0: you so much we're gonna put
1: a link in there where they can sign up Um, just enter in an email address and we'll send over information as well as an invitation to actually use the product and start saving and sharing these snippets not just from big questions but also from the other shows that they listen to and also where they can listen to some of the other shared moments that other people found really insightful and important.
0: And it's not gonna cost a penny.
1: It's free, it's free for you. Uh, It's free for anybody who wants to uh, actually get on the platform. And I might as well mention, if there are any podcasters also listening to this, that uh, we'd we'd love to talk with them and see how we could help expand the reach of their content too, through these air quotes.
0: Because these air quotes are gonna start zooming all over the internet and once they do, more and more people are gonna be aware of them and more and more people, hopefully, will be coming to Big Questions to listen.
1: Oh yeah, we wanna we want to make your, your tent as big as possible. Um, and the, the best way to do that, we think, is if somebody's not familiar with you or not familiar with your work, if we put in front of them the best moments from Big Questions, they're gonna say, hey, you know, Cal is really worth checking out. Let me listen to an episode. And maybe then they will be a regular subscriber and, uh, and, and a part of the family.
0: All right. Well, we're both going to win. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I just got to say thanks. You make me so proud to be part of a startup. I never thought I'd be walking around Harvard thinking about startups, but I am. This podcast has taken me to new places. I'm so grateful for it. And... I look forward to seeing where air and the air quotes that come out of it take you and you, and also Sebastian and Mike. Not here, but they're here. So thank you to all of you. And we're going to start air quoting pretty soon.
2: Let's get to it. Thanks, Cal. Thanks, Cal. It was great being here.
0: Cheers. Let's go. That about wraps it up. Thanks, Tim Ferris, for inspiring me to pay all you've done for me forward. And I'm delighted to help Sam and Dave because they're working hard to connect people around the best moments of podcasts. So I'm asking everyone who wants to save or pass on the golden nuggets in podcasts to go to A-I-R-R dot slash Cal and check it out. You can use A-I-R-R, or Air to tweet out, text, or email your favorite moments on Big Questions, or Tim Ferriss' podcast, or James Altucher's, or Jordan Harbinger's, or Heather Monahan's, or any other podcast you like. Send them out by Instagram, too, maybe YouTube, Facebook. I'm just learning all this stuff. But it's there for your choosing. But here's the thing, there's also an opportunity here. I like to use air quotes as a way to bring my community together. You've sent me great photos of where you listen to big questions. You've sent me stories about your best friends. You've asked how you can ask me questions, meet me. So I'm hoping that Sam and Dave's idea will become a centerpiece for connection around big questions. Now that I'm not so scared of technology, I'm looking into holding Google Hangouts where we can get together a hundred people at one time to talk about the messages and themes in the air quotes that people pull from Big Questions. This is all new to me, so better yet, you tell me. You tell me how you might like to use air quotes to create a Big Questions community. Maybe this will turn into a show that brings in the world and can be seen around the world. Go to airr.io slash cal. That's i o slash cal. And connect with Sam and Dave. They'll get you started. You can have any questions answered over the internet or they'll be happy to have a 10-minute conversation with you get you up to speed. We'll go from there. Plus you'll make their mothers very happy. Just to know that you see that Sam and Dave are out there on the cutting edge. So thanks Tim Ferriss for helping out Sam and Dave by helping out me. We're going to see where this takes us all. And thanks Sportique. And we were for helping to send this episode around the world. If you're looking for hoodies, hoodie, sweatpants, or the most comfortable t-shirts, go to sportique.com. That's S-P-O-R-T-I-Q-E.com and use the offer code CAL for a 20% discount. And if you're looking for office space, go to www.we.co slash CAL for 20% off at WeWork look into the Global Access Pass, I use it to do podcasts and have meetings wherever I go in the world, makes me feel like I'm always at home. Please let me know what you think of air. That's A-I-R-R. Let's see where it goes. Cheers!